Welcome to Plato's Gravity. I'm Aaron. And I was up really late last night playing Stardew Valley. Oh, did you get the did you get the router for Yenna? I did, I did, I did get the router, but I told the uh, the the guy working the bar here. We're we're at uh, Roundtown Brewery right now. We are at Roundtown Brewery. You're supposed to say your name, like you're way. Well, out I of told order him. Now. I told him that I was also hungover because I wanted to feel like I fit in, and I like I was hungover because like. I was a little dehydrated, and I had a oh, what did I have? I had like an expedition stout yesterday. Yeah, and like it, like I was dehydrated, and I only had one. But it's like it's. Pretty I was heavy. there when and you like, when you told the bartender that about the hangover, and I feel like he thought you were typecasting him as a as a drunk. No, but no, we had a whole conversation about me. I was playing the character of someone who had a hangover instead of portraying the character of someone who is a. Okay, what's your name? Jason. All right, we are around. We are around Town Brewery with Central States. We are uh, not round Ed town. Brewer. We are Aaron and Jason. We Josh, are Josh, some, something or other. Hambright. Right? There it is. <laughs> That's me. That's right. Josh Hambright. Uh, I asked him right before I started recording the episode what his last name was, so I figured I would, I would, for posterity, I would foul it up a little bit on the show, so no one would think I was awesome. I am, I'm not hungover today. You are not hungover. Fantastic. Not. I've been like borderline doing January. Okay. Yeah. Oh. So that's really rough. As a brewer, it, it hasn't been too. I mean, like I've been allowing myself to taste because that's right, work. That's what, not. That's what you have to do, right? That's not just drinking for fun. But I think I've only had like four drinks this month that weren't for work. So all right, nice. Well, we are sorry to interrupt that. We are <laughs> we are starting the show with uh, coffee Nephilim, uh, which is a Central State beer. It is uh, it's an imperial stout with coffee in it. It is. Dark matter coffee out so, of Chicago. Uh, out of Chicago. Longtime listeners will know that I have a hard time making it through episodes without restroom breaks, and normally we don't record this early in the morning. So I was really sad because I had to limit my coffee consumption Are you this morning. Right now? No, Jason. I had to limit my coffee consumption because I didn't want to have to u- u- pee all through this episode. So I'm super happy to have a coffee stout. Thank you for choosing this beer Absolutely. for the show. Uh, can you tell us a little about this beer? Uh, so this is part of our new stout series. Uh, so we're just launching that this year. We've made stouts in the past, and they've always gone over pretty well. So we decided to bring those into regular rotation uh, throughout the year. So this is Nephilim, so it's the first base that we have released so far. Mm. Uh, came out right at the end of December. Uh, it's like 11%, really old-school imperial stout. It doesn't have any lactose. It doesn't have any oats. Um, kind of modeled after the the Rasputins and the Founders Imperial Stouts mm. of the world, the, right. the old-school ones that I grew up drinking. Uh, so really... Nice roast and chocolate notes. Yeah. Sound of some coffee notes already in there. Uh, and then we decided to kick this one on just completely over the top and loaded it up with like 50 pounds of Dark Matters Unicorn Blood, which is their super, super dark, super, super roasty uh, espresso roast. So they're great friends of ours. Uh, most people don't know there's like a huge Indianapolis connection with Dark Matter. Jay okay. from Dark Matter grew up in Indy. Oh, wow. Uh, and a bunch of the guys are from Indiana or Indianapolis that work up there. Um, so they've been really good friends of ours since we started. Sweet. Um, so yeah, great coffee, great guys. Just love working with them. Awesome. So. Well, the beer the beer certainly stands up for itself. It's it's freaking amazing. And as I mentioned, it's everything I wanted this morning. Because uh, I, I am yeah. in need of more coffee. I did super have fresh. Time. We just canned this on Monday, so it's hasn't even been released yet. It comes out uh, at our anniversary party. Oh, nice. So yeah, it's have an anniversary party coming up, right? Correct. Uh, so it's the same weekend as Winterfest. Okay. Uh, it's Cool Ship's anniversary party, so Central State's anniversary is technically in March or May. May. Uh, but we always do a party for the Cool Ship's anniversary. Sweet. So it's we just tie it to Winterfest weekend because we open on Winterfest weekend, so we just decided that whatever weekend ends up being Winterfest, that's our anniversary that year. Okay, nice. Um, so, yeah, it'll be we'll be releasing these on Friday. 
and we'll be partying Friday so and Saturday. So it's the first and second of February. Yep. Nice, nice. You guys should all head out. This uh, since Wednesday, as you guys listen to this show, um, if you downloaded it right away, and uh, yeah, you should head out to the cool ship in Indianapolis and drink uh, some of this amazing uh, coffee stout. Great spot for pre gaming or post gaming after the festival. So it's go great. to Goose the Market, get shoot a up, sandwich, yeah, shoot up Fall Creek, and you're right there at the fairgrounds. So uh, you, there's a lot in uh, kind of your description. You talked about the cool ship, which is uh, kind of your main tap room. Uh, you talked about your own uh, Central States anniversary. Uh, so you guys have sort of a, a fun business model that's evolved. You started as a primarily fun. That's fun. a good word. Yeah, it's good. You <laughs> guys started actually, it, it, it has been an interesting business model, I think, to follow because yeah. I still associate Central States strongly with the coal ship right and yet here we are at round town yeah so we started working on this whole project about six years ago six or seven years ago um and it started with my partner jay keenan and i uh just were drinking on my porch one day i was working at flat 12 at the time and we were like we could do this like we could go start right. our own brewery uh so the original plan was like a giant i mean this was six years ago when the market was way different and it was a much more of a wild west anything mm. can happen market sure. Uh, and at the time, we were like, let's build like a giant $5 million brewery and have 30 and 60 100 barrel fermenters and do a huge barrel aging program and do a huge sour program. Because that was always what I was really passionate about was barrel aging and sours and sure. that kind of stuff. Um, and we quickly realized how ridiculous that idea was. Okay. Yeah. Um, Before you spend any money, I hope. Before, yeah, <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't really spend any money on it. We just kind of spent a year kind of kicking business plans around and talking to investors and talking about different ways we could do it. What we ended up doing was bootstrapping ourselves uh, with some loans that we signed for with no investors uh, and bought one tank. Okay. Uh, two tanks to start with. We bought a bright tank and a fermenter. Sweet. And we got with our buddies over at Black Acre. Uh, and they oh. had <laughs> just opened up their new production facility. Okay. Right. Uh, and they had a bunch of extra space. So we paired up with them and basically leased some space off them. Okay. Uh, and put those two tanks in and started using their brew house. So uh, I actually helped them uh, with slave labor for the last parts of build out and helping them commission the brew house and all okay. that stuff. Um, was there for all like their first brew days right beside them helping get all everything up and running and then i think it was we did two batches of their beer and the third batch that ever came out of that brew house was central state beer wow uh, that's so that was the first batch of table um and we brewed that and we did that for about two and a half years i think we were over there um and after that we decided that we were going to move out of there and move into our own space okay so we have a warehouse over off 26th street um kind of 26 and sherman neighborhood uh, we like to call it the north, north end of Mass Ave. The north, north end. Yeah. yeah I like it. Um, so we're right up there by the train tracks. Uh, we have our own brewer's permit up there and everything now. We have a bunch more tanks up there, a bunch more fermenters. Um, and we still don't have a brew house over there. So when we moved in there, we started producing wort at Roundtown and Centerpoint. Okay. Did that for about a year um, and decided that we were going to kind of go into a, a little tighter partnership with Roundtown. Okay. So that's what we're still doing. Uh, we've got beer on in their tap room now. Uh, we do all of our wort production here. Okay. Um, and that's kind of where it stands right now. And then after a year of having Central State brand, we decided we needed a place for people to go. And Jake and I have always kind of wanted to open our own craft beer bar. Sure. So we decided to open up Cool Ship, which originally we argued like this isn't our tap room. It just happens to be owned by the Central State guys. Right. And it always happens to have Central State beer on. And then we started canning. And it's like, well, and this happens to be where we do <laughs> releases. And everybody's like, this is your tap room. We're like, no, it's not. Like, this is a bar that happens to like Central State a lot. I had my first glass ever of Pivo Pills at Hell the yeah. Coal Ship. Absolutely. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, so it's just kind of, uh, 
it's it's become our de facto tap room, which we've embraced and tried to kind of play that up more and more in the last year or so. But it's still very much our playground where we can have whatever we want in the cooler. We can have whatever we want on tap. Um, we like to travel around the country, and we've made lots of friends through brewing. So it's always nice. Like we've got Upland Sour Fest coming up in March. Nice. Um, and right now we're working with, I think we're going to do like ten or eleven breweries. Uh, from around the country that'll be in town. Sweet. That we're like, hey, you're already sending beer and doing temporary distribution in the state. Why don't you send us a keg and we'll do a big blowout party. Nice. Which you've done the last couple of years. We've had Scratch on. We've had Penrose, True, a bunch of like people that we really respect. And it's just an awesome place that we can kind of show off what other people that we really like are doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's things like Piva. Like we love Piva. We love High Life. Like we always have High Life. We love Rittergoods. So we always have Rittergoods bottles. Nice. Um, and just kind of a place that we can show off some of the beers that we don't think get enough attention or that we want to show like it started off literally just as like trying to prove to everybody in town that we weren't weirdos like look this is jolly pumpkin and saint somewhere and they're doing the same thing that we're doing like making these really cool farmhouse beers so like we're not crazy people that are making weird infected beers like this is a real thing so let's talk about that a little bit so so i I, jason i've been brewing together for three years he he brewed some before that i've never played with uh sour stuff because i'm well, one, either I don't have the equipment to do what I actually want to do, or two, I'm afraid. Right. Um, so, but instead of from a brewing side, from a palate side, can you talk about how you take people on the journey from, right. you? hey, you're a beer drinker, but hey, let's let's try this funky thing right. and see how the complexity is in there. Because it's a journey I want to go on, but there's not a lot around here. I mean, you guys are really one of the few games in town right. really putting yourself out there. Um, so, yeah, I like to explain it to people as kind of like wine world. Um, like one of the things that I've always thought was really interesting is that like when I'm doing a tasting, mm-hmm. I it's if I just get somebody that's a Bud Miller Coors drinker, and I give them table, they're gonna be like, what the hell is this? But if I find somebody that's a white wine drinker and I give it to them, they're gonna understand the flavors a lot more because there's sure. hay and you know white fruit and peach and that kind of stuff that you can pick out of that beer that definitely make more sense to a wine drinker than somebody that just drinks macro lagers. Yeah. Um, so that's always been like a selling point is like talking to them. And I think that the biggest mistake people make is that they give their buddy a bottle of whatever sour beer and they don't prep them for it. Uh, Lauren Salzar from New Belgium always talks about this of like, you have to prepare yourself for trying sour beer. Cause that first time you try it, like it shocks the hell out of your system. Mm-hmm. It's like if you just drink straight vinegar and you weren't expecting it, or if you try kombucha the first time, like anything like that sour, a lot of times in nature, sour and bitter, are indicators that something's poisonous. Right. Um, So your system's like, what are you doing? But if you give it like three drinks and try it and your palate starts to adjust to it, you can kind of start to figure it out. So I always tell people, if this is the first time you've had a sour beer, give it three drinks. Try one sip, try two more sips, and then by the third sip, your palate's kind of starting to taste all that other stuff that's going on in there. So whether that's, um, you know, you've got roast flavors and dark fruit flavors or peach and tropical flavors and that kind of stuff. So there's all kinds of weird flavors that we've been able to unlock by using unconventional yeast and that's kind of why we find it so fascinating and the other thing for us is just we really like dry beer right um kind of as a company we all agree you're much better with the brute phase than the juicy phase i mean i i like juicy ipas because i was not a west coast fan um i thought west coast ipas just kind of went too far and burned me out on hops sure um i was just over ibus yeah. Uh, and the reason we started making high IPAs is because I started trying like the Vale and other half and some of these guys and being like, oh, like you can make IPAs that aren't just like a mouth bomb assertively bitter. Yeah. bitter that yeah. just make it painful to drink and your jaw locks up. Um, 
so when I started discovering those, and I was like, oh, like people are into this now. Like that's a thing. Like I could do that. Like that's right. something I enjoy drinking. So I mean, I love hops. I love the aromas. I love all the flavors you get from. Them. I just am over the bitter phase of it, and the sweetness. You kind of need to balance that out. The softness of it is nice. Um, it's easier on the palate. So, yeah, well, the question was about how to get people drinking sour beers. So it's it's kind of one of those things that it's the same as, like, the first time you try your first IPA. Like, I remember uh, my buddy Joe, who's uh, actually a DM for Cavalier now at the time. We were just lowly retail sure. beer mm-hmm. nerds that weren't in the industry at all. Um, and he turned me on to Arrogant Bastard and was like, you have to try this beer. Like, it'll blow your mind. He went to school in Muncie, cut his teeth at the Herat, moved down here, and we became friends. The Herat is a, is a friend of the show. We've actually never been to the Herat on the show, and they don't know us, but Jason is, went I'm to Ball State. I'm a huge fan. Yeah. I went to Ball State. I Muncie's like a, I like, it's hard to explain to people if they haven't experienced Muncie, but it is a, like, weird microcosm of craft beer that shouldn't exist where it exists or how well it exists, but, like, between Peach and Savages and Herat. Yeah. It's just kind of unreal how good the beer scene is. And now, um, like, there's breweries popping up there. Um, and it's just a awesome. Like, Elm Street's doing amazing stuff. Yeah. Um, and their beer list is nothing to shrug off either. Right. Um, but, yeah, the Herat. And, like, I've learned to love the Herat. But he turned me on to Arrogant Bastard. And the first time I had it, he's like, you're going to hate it. But if you keep drinking it, eventually you'll understand this IPA thing. Right. Um, and so I just kind of forced myself to keep drinking Arrogant Bastard until I could drink hoppy beers. Uh, and that was kind of went down that dark path that everybody goes down of like, I need more hops. He calls it a dark path. It's like my favorite path. <laughs> um, it's a good path. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think everybody, when they really get into craft beer ends up going down that like Imperial IPA, Imperial right. stout. And like, I just want bigger, boozier, like yeah. more, more, more. And then a lot of people end up falling back and they're like, just give me a Pilsner or give me right. a Saison. Uh, and I, the Saisons for me, I f- first tried, uh, Jolly Pumpkins La Roja was right. the first sour beer I ever had, and it blew my mind. And soon after that, tried La Folie from New Belgium, right. and just mm. mind blowing experience. Then I had Orval, and then I had Rodenbach, and kind of went down that path. And then this was the dark ages when you could still find Cantillon, and it wasn't like it, it would sit on the shelves at cons and collect dust, uh, and nobody knew what it was. And so, I mean, we would just go buy it and drink Cantillon, like. But now that's there. that's, that's not a thing. It's not a thing. Everybody's ruined it. Now I can't find it anymore. Um, except we have goos at Cool Ship. <laughs> nice. So let's talk about like so. <laughs> let's talk about the word sour. Uh, yeah, I so, hate it. Yeah, well, I I agree. It's so, a terrible descriptor. So sour. To me, so I don't like personally sour beer because sour to me means low pH, acidic, pucker, blah. But then you're doing this thing with Britannomyces that gets called sour all the time. It does, and Brett can produce. Uh, acid. It can produce acetic acid. It can produce butyric acid. It can produce some lactic acid in some stents or some instances, but it doesn't. It's not its primary function. It's a yeast. Right. Um, there are lactic acid producing yeasts, which is a whole new world that people are starting to play with. All right. Um, My wife would like this. She loves the, the pucker beer. Yeah. Um, but Brett is a yeast. I mean, it's the funk. It's. I mean, Orval is like the classic example of that barnyard. Um, Brett B funk, mm, right? Um, you can get into some like the English old ales that have that Brett C funk. That's like a different layer of funk, a more leathery uh, weirdness to it. Uh, when you start getting into like natural wine, and there's all the funkiness there, right? Mm. Oh, oh, yeah. I just had a flashback to an ex-girlfriend's grandmother's basement fruit wine. Yeah, all right. And the funk that was in it, like, there's a weird, like, it was not good, right? But there's a part of me that's like, there were notes in there that were. 
fantastic. Oh yeah, and it's funny because like the wine world is starting to embrace natural fermentation, but for a while there, like it was like bad. If you're like this has horse blood, they're like, no, it doesn't. There's no bread in my wine, but. There, there definitely have been like Merlots that I've tasted that I'm like, there is some serious Brett funk going on in here, right. but nobody wants to acknowledge it because it's bad in the wine world. When I feel like as a, as a beer taster, there's not so many Brett beers around that I, so I feel like I have a sense of what Brett tastes like, right. but I also like, I'm always like, I don't really know. Right. I don't really and know. And so our house culture does contain Brett uh, for the Central State farmhouse culture, but we've learned over time that it also contains wild Saccharomyces. So they're okay. just natural indigenous Saccharomyces that they behave a lot like Brett. Um, there's Brett in there. It's We have at least four yeast strains in there the last time we had it tested. That okay. was two years ago. We're still using the same culture five years now. Uh, Where did it come with, from? Uh, so it started off with a pitch from White Labs of Brett B. Okay. Um, and then as dirty pilot batch home brewers, we somehow managed to infect it over time. <laughs> um, and we have kind of embraced that. So we... We always joke when we fill barrels that we open all the doors in the brewery, which is like the opposite of like, I know breweries in town that will close every door. Like you can't open the overhead doors while they're canning because they're okay. afraid of something flying in. But we do the opposite and just open everything up. Okay, we're, like, nice. we're letting Tawar in because you never know. You might yeah. pick up something. But For listeners at home, that's a sense of place yes. in the flavor. <laughs> um, but yeah, so on our yeast, we had it tested and they were like, yeah, there's like four strains here. We have them all banked at White Labs. If we ever need to go back and the brewery okay. burns down and we want to start it up again. But they're like, do you want us to do any more research on it? We're like, nah, it's fine. And we're still using that same culture. Uh, we treat it a lot like sourdough where we have a mother culture and we're always propping that up and growing that up and pulling off batches and just kind of recycling right. that yeast over and over. Um, and we're, I'm not too worried about like people ask me all the time, like what's in there? And I'm like, I don't really know. Like I know how, I know how it works with grains and hops. And yeah. That's and we know how to kind of tame it and push it in the directions we want based on what we do to it. Um, we know how it reacts and a lot of, we've been using it for long enough now that we kind of know how it reacts. Sometimes it still surprises us and does something weird and we're like, Oh, okay. Maybe we're not going to reuse that batch, but so do you guys like use the same culture at different temperatures for different effects? Or? Yeah, so we actually free ferment all of the farmhouse fermentation. So okay, wow. we do um, square fermentation, which is kind of unique. We don't talk about it a lot, but we use IBC totes, okay. um, which have a little bit of oxygen pickup that happens during fermentation. Right. They're not totally impermeable to oxygen the same way like a better bucket is. Right. You get a little bit of oxygen pickup. So we get some micro-oxygenation when we age stuff in there. Um, and then it's also... We'll use three of those for a 30-barrel batch. So you guys can't see it at home, but there's some sitting right, right. behind me right mm -hmm. now. Yeah. Um, so we use we those might take a picture and put it in the show. Yeah, so we also might not. We <laughs> use those for transport and also for ferment, like primary fermentation on the farmhouse stuff. And I like it because it gives – it's a lower – um, hydrostatic pressure on the yeast. Sure. Mm -hmm. So it's the same as like a Burton Square. Okay, or, right. Or um, like I know in – I've listened to some talks that um, Avon de Betz from De La Sena has given, and he's talked a lot about how tank shape influences farmhouse beers right. a lot. And it was nice to hear him say that because I'm like, oh, I've been like doing that, but I just thought I was crazy eccentric. And right. Like, oh, you've actually done studies because you're super scientific about this. And I'm like, no, this just tastes better. So we're going to keep doing it. So we're going to keep doing it. Yeah. yeah. So actually, that leads into a question I was going to ask earlier, which is, and, and we had, uh, so, and, and maybe it's different because you guys are using these, these cubes and you're, you're, you're thinking about how the, the, the height and base of the thing affects the pressure and how that affects the yeast. So transporting wort is something I think, um, having done this show, I, there's, there's not, a few breweries doing this. This is actually more common practice than I think people yeah, It's becoming know. way more common. I think Crooked Stave was kind of the one that, I mean, 
you can go to Granite City. Granite yeah. City ships Ward all around the country and for all their locations. Mashcraft, oh, really? We interviewed Mashcraft yeah. a couple weeks ago, and, and they have they don't have a brew house at their, their Delaware Street location, right. but they do their sours there, and they're, they're brewing their beer and yep. they're shipping it there. So uh, as a home brewer, that, like, makes my skin crawl because I'm like, oh, God, what's going to happen to the wort? Right. There's no, you're not putting, you don't have yeast on it yet? Like, what We're the just hell? shipping that amount of liquid. Like, it's, it's heavy. It's, it's terrifying. We have a truck that we put three of those totes in. Okay. And it's thousands of pounds of pounds of sloshing liquid right like the first time you drive the truck and you come to like a stop like because we have to drive on 70 to get over the other right. location <laughs> and you're like you're coming down off that ramp and you can feel the whole truck kind of sway uh, one way and then you get to the red light at the bottom and you're like stopped at the stoplight and the whole truck is just rocking back and forth slowly it's nice. kind of off-putting when you first do it but i mean we've done it hundreds of times now that it's kind of become a little routine for us but so jason and i were talking about this process and we were talking about like infection and things like that and i think you know so you because of the way you ferment you might have a lower key thought about that because if you get something new and weird that's great for you uh potentially you probably don't want to be like super blase but do you transport it warm no okay um so we cool it out the plastic totes that we use can only handle about 150 degrees mm. before they start to deform okay so we will knock out just like a normal knockout we okay. oxygenate while we knock out uh it goes into the totes we try and pitch yeast within an hour or two of finishing okay. knockout so you're, you're knocking it out into the thing and then drive and pitch yeah right. drive it over and as soon as it gets over there and as soon as we get it off the truck uh under indiana law it is considered an ingredient still until the yeast actually enters it then okay. it becomes beer so once it is beer it is locked into that location okay so you can't take it anywhere you can't else. move it around okay um but until it has yeast in it it's just sugar water um so once we add that yeast then it becomes beer so we just move it as soon as it's in the building we immediately pitch the yeast in there and our lag times have gone up a little bit since when we started. Yeah. Um, when we used to brew at Black Acre and we were immediately putting, right. like just knocking out and pitching the yeast while we were going. They're maybe four hours longer now than what they were before. Right. Uh, probably just because we're losing some of that oxygen. That that's, you, that's, so you don't re-oxygenate? No, we don't. Okay. Um, and our yeast does pretty well with low oxygen. Okay. Um, it's Our yeast in a lot of ways acts very similar to some of the Kavekis, if you guys have worked with those. So it doesn't mind high temperatures. Like okay. We fermented stouts at like the first batch of Gutenacht we ever brewed, which is our old farmhouse stout we used to make. Mm. Good night. Yeah, it was eight and a half percent and we fermented that at 96 degrees and it had like no fusels at all, which I was like terrified that we- 96 degrees? Yeah, the glycol went down the day we, and this is before we were like, we don't need glycol, we'll just free ferment. Uh, and the glycol went down the weekend that we were fermenting it, and I went in to check on it. It was at 96 degrees. Right, because it creates all that heat. Yeah, when it's doing so, so I was so, like panicking, but it turned out fine. So, so you guys, was, are you fermenting in the plastic? So you're fermenting in the plastic, so, you're, it, yeah. so, so, so you're not sw- transferring it into in tanks nope. or anything like so that? So we'll do all the primary fermentation in there. Um, if we're doing fruiting, that usually happens in the totes. There's some beers we'll fruit in the, the fermenters at 26th Street as well. Um, and then we've dry hopped in the totes. I prefer to dry hop in the tanks if we can, because okay. it's easier to get it off the hops that mm-hmm. way. Right. Um, but we do all the primary fermentation, and then once it's done, we'll transfer it into a conical fermenter, just like a normal beer. We'll crash it out. Okay. Um, some of our tanks are uni tanks, so we can carb right in that tank and package right, right off right. of it. Uh, other ones, we like our original two are not uni tanks, so we have to transfer those into a bright tank, um, and then we package from there, just like a normal beer. So we right. force carb everything right now. We're starting to play around on our barrel age stuff with doing some natural carbonation. Yeah, yeah. But for now, we're just for like that was mainly because we just didn't have space in the past. So we're actually taking over some more space at that 26th Street location. So once we have that, we'll have the space that we can get the wire cages and start doing 
bottle conditioning and that kind of stuff. But it it just takes up so much. Like if you're releasing a beer a month, you've got to age those for three to six months to condition. Um, and so you just it takes up a lot of space yeah. to age them. So one of the things that, that I think kind of like as you tell your story and you talk, talk about how Central State started and what you become today and how you have the relationship with Roundtown Brewery, um, like you get the sense that you and your partner – wanted to make beer you yeah. had a passion for a while four partners, four partners Just, i'm sorry i don't yeah. want to make anybody feel left out sure sure you have you want to you have this thing for a while you're you know making juicy beers because everyone's making juicy beers the stout is fucking tremendous can you can you talk about like you guys basically just have done what it takes to get this thing done and that's very admirable like would you do it differently if you had to do it again man we've talked about that um i've definitely had moments because it's so much bigger and it's funny because i guess i'll go back when we originally started we actually have in our operating agreement um hard limit on the brewery okay there's a number in there that the brewery can't get bigger than that in terms of barrels of yeah. production okay. um and that comes from conversations with other people before we open okay um, and talking to nick floyd and him being like this was you know six seven years ago and i'm like why don't you expand again and he's like i don't want to like this is already enough of a job that if it gets bigger, it just becomes more of a job. And, he, like, talking to the guys at the brewery and how big that has become. And, like, right. the guys that started off brewing like, aren't brewing anymore. And it's always been my thing is that I want to be able to be involved in the brewery. You want to be the brewer. And yeah. the bigger it gets, the farther I get from a lot of those steps. Right. Um, and I'm control freak to some extent. I mean, I spent the first two years of the company basically doing everything myself with no other employees. I had people that would come in and help on packaging days. But other than that, I mean, it was me doing everything. Right. And you're, like... To be distributed across, you said fifteen states. We're in fifteen states. Fifteen now. states. That's that's a tremendous amount, and that's actually not that common among Indiana breweries right. to be to be that widely distributed. Us and Upland are the yeah. only two that go that far. So, like, are you doing that by volume or, or just by not saying no? Um, no, we say no a lot actually. Uh, a lot of it has just kind of been timing and convenience. There's states that our our golden rule for distribution is we don't send beer to places we don't want to go. Okay. Um, because one of the things we learned early on is that if you send beer someplace, you have to go. We're there. looking at you, new. Jersey, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know. I'm Do sorry. Send, he's, 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 he's got questions in his eyes. Josh, Josh is looking. <laughs> he's like, he's like, oh, to, I gotta like it. We just sent, started sending beer to New York, uh, New York City. So nice. We're right there. Oh, shit. Um, but I don't, I, I don't want to single out any state. We'll, uh, we'll attack North, North Dakota. Right. Um, but like, I, I, what am I gonna do in North Dakota? Right. Like, we send like the first state. We launched outside of Indiana. Was we started going to Louisville. Okay, uh, okay. I love Louisville. Jake loves Louisville. Everybody in the company loves Louisville. It's an amazing city. If you haven't been there, go. The food, the bars, everything is just amazing Great. about that town. Yeah. It, um, and it's just such a rad town. It has such good energy that we were like, it's right there. It's two hours away. Let's send beer. Uh, the second city we went to was Chicago. Jake lived in Chicago for a few years. I adore Chicago. It's your first major league city. Uh, All right, go Cubs. You're wearing a uh, Chicago brewery beanie right now. I am off color. Yeah, they're. Uh, our sister brewery, I would say. Oh, interesting. Uh, so they're really good friends of ours. I was actually just up there uh, two days ago visiting with those guys uh, and at Emporium doing the Poly Juice release. Nice. Um, but, yeah, like we love Chicago. Um, the the tribe mentality of brewing in Chicago has always fascinated me. Sure. Even before we opened up Central State, I started making friends up there, and just it's such a welcoming community. Um, and they've just kind of openly, open arm, like welcomed me and brought me in. So we have a lot of friends up in that area. Um, and so it made sense that we might as well send beer up there. Is there music playing? Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. coming from the tap room. It's coming I'm from just, the tap room, yeah. I'm just starting to pick it up on the microphone. Which yeah. I, I, I have to say, like, so we, we got here at noon. We started recording probably uh, 12.45, 1 o'clock. 
And I've already seen people dancing here. I said this is uptown funk. So yeah, yeah it is. Uh, As we talk about funky beers, it even would, even in uh, early it. afternoon, people having a good time around town. You should check it out. Check it out. Um, so yeah, so we send beer where we where we like. Uh, then we start talking about let's go down south. All right. Um, let's start looking at states that are kind of underappreciated for distribution and that kind of stuff. Uh, Jake and I both have family in in Georgia, so we started looking at Georgia. Uh, at the same time, we started looking at North Carolina. Um, Asheville, we've got really good friends at Salute Bottle Shop sure. in Charlotte. Shout out to Jason, you're beautiful. Um, Jason is beautiful. Are you talking about this? You're not talking about this, Jason. <laughs> not that Jason. All right, gosh. Uh, my, right. my Jason. Uh, I'm okay. Uh, you're Jason. So we love Charlotte. Uh, I got the chance to go down there and party, and I fell in love with the city and fell oh. in love with the state. Old yeah. old Charlotte? Did you get down to old Charlotte? A little bit. Oh, I spent a lot of time in uh, Noda. Okay. I love Noda. It's beautiful up there. My um, brewbassador actually currently lives in... Brewbassador is the person who got so you into what brewing. What is a brewbassador? It is the, the person, person who, who, who like, made you start home brewing. Yeah. Your, your brew tour. Yeah, my brew yeah. tour. Yeah. Bruder, oh, Jason, you might have to change it. I might have to change it. He lives in Charlotte right now. That's the last time. It was probably like six years ago that I was down it's, there. It's amazing. I mean, that that city is just vibrant and full of life, and there's... So it's, old. It's so old, but then at the same time, like, it's exploding with growth right now. Yeah. Um, so do you? are you guys working with a distributor, or are you... Yeah, so in every state, we have a different distributor. Um, we're with Cavalier in Indiana, okay. and then we're also with them in Florida and Ohio. Okay, uh, it's same family of companies, but it's each one operates independently. Mm. So it's it's one of the challenges for us in uh, New York and Boston, which are the two we just launched. We're actually with like a, a house that kind of oversees a larger area. Like sure, it's all one family that each one's owned separately, um, but it, we work with them as like a group. Now, are you working with distributors that are specifically interested in like pushing this this type of beer forward? Yeah. So our focus when we go into a market is trying to find. Uh, we look at the distributors and we first we start asking friends that are already distributed in that state, like who are you with? Sure. Uh, who is good to work with? Who isn't? Um, we talk to bars and find out like, hey, who do you like buying beer from? Who's okay. kind of a creep or who's too pushy or who just doesn't really push their brands and focuses on something else sure um and just kind of ask a lot of questions um and we've gotten way better at it um uh, all of our distributors are great to work with but we've definitely gotten better at doing our due diligence sure um as we've grown a lot of it's also states where we uh like our michigan distributor uh mike and megan that own that i've known mike for like almost 10 years now he used to be a Shiner rep, and I met him at the Sinking Ship sure. uh, years ago when the ship first opened. It's amazing food. Um, and he and I got super drunk with uh, the guy that used to print the merch for Three Floyds. Okay. Uh, introduced me to Mike, and we got, like, blackout drunk on Shiner one night at the ship because the ship was, like, the only bar in India that carried Shiner. Nice. Um, and so, yeah, that's how I met Mike, and now he owns a craft beer distributor that does a bunch of Michigan brands, but then they also do 12% and Shelton Brothers. Um, and they've got us. They work with like Speciation, which I'm rocking the Speciation nice. hoodie today. Um, so yeah, I mean, a lot of it's like friends like that where we've just kind of known them for the same way in Kentucky. We've known those guys yeah. since before we opened the brewery. Um, we've met the guys in Georgia that we work with before we started selling beer there. We met them down in Florida at Photo for Thought at Greenbench yeah. the first time. Um, and then they're like, can we sell your beer? And I was like, you seem like good guys. Of course you can sell our beer. And that's how, like, um, Virginia is the same way. So do you guys uh, have a volume problem? Like, 
Can you keep up? Or, or we can right now. Um, yeah. So we've always said that we're going to cast a wide net, but not a deep net. Okay. Um, and that's we high spot a lot of these cities. So okay. it may just be like two pallets of beer going to that state. But when you go to that state, the places where craft beer people are going to drink, mm. we like to think that our beer's there. Sure. Um, and we're not trying to take over the world. Sun King is doing a great job of taking over Indianapolis. Sure. Um, like they're, they're very much deep. Yeah, not and they wide. go deep, and I mean, they're in every bar, and that's awesome, but that's just not, the style of beers we make aren't going to do that. Right. Well, and I think scarcity does kind of drive... I will never admit to creating false scarcity, but there is something there. Well, it's not, <laughs> I don't think it's, if you're in that many states, I, I don't know that it's false scarcity. I think that you're brewing as much as you can. And it's, I mean, the beer that's in those states is fresh, because it's not going to sit around for a while. Yeah. Right. Um, which isn't a big deal for a lot of our farmhouse stuff, but like as we're doing the IPAs, we're only selling the IPAs in six states right now. Right. Um, and so, I mean, 30 barrels of beer in six states doesn't go very far, When especially when at least a third to almost a half of that is staying in Indiana, going to Cavalier and going to Cool Ship. Those just, there's not a lot of beer going out there. So that way we know that it's not sitting on the shelf. We can make a ton of beer and send it into every Kroger, but it's going to sit there in most of those Kroger's. And then people are going to be like, oh, and then we're going to talk about how they're, they're going to log in and untapped, and they're going to be like, I bought yep. this beer at Kroger. It was a year fucking old, and it was shit. Yeah. So I think uh, we're going to take a little break right now sure. um, uh, to uh, refresh our palates. I don't know. I'm just making shit up. We're going to take a break. Uh, when we <laughs> come back. You guys crushed those stouts. I'm still nursing I, this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, you, you did it correctly. All you did it, it correctly. It was just so I, good. I, and I, I was treating it, it like it was. By the end of this, you guys are going to like give me your house. It's going to be It's going to be fun. I was treating it like it was unalcoholic coffee, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show. That was a mistake. It, it is, is sneakily 11%. It is really, it was really fucking good. We come back from the break. We're going to have a little chat about untapped. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll have fun with that. Welcome back to Plato's Gravity. We hope you guys have enjoyed the break as much as we have. Your break was only 10 was seconds. On the break. Ours yeah. was, our, our break was longer than 10 Check seconds. Check this out. Both Aaron and I peed. Not together. Maybe together. Not you don't together. Need to know. Damn it, Jason. Don't cross you don't. the stream. <laughs> there, were, there, were, there were two receptacles in the bathroom, but we, we were not there at the same time. So you, can't uh, hand, we, you can't hold hands if you use the you, toilet and the urinal. You can't hold hands. I mean, unless you're like but you really can make tall, eye contact, tall and long arm. How do you? Ma- I hope you're not making eye contact if you're using that urinal because you should be facing the other hand, way. Your hand, aim is not good, hand, but hand, you could do it. I'm gonna go with handstand urination. I don't know why I'm trying to make it work. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's move on. Let's move on. So uh, we were gonna talk a little bit about untapped. So uh, before we start recording today, you talked about um, your love. For Untapped, did I hear a question mark in there? There was a question in there. Uh, can you t- so, so Untapped is uh, we're going to play a game a little bit called They Said What. We're going to read you some Untapped reviews, and you're going to guess which beer it is. Uh, that's going to be fun. But can you talk about uh, your relationship with Untapped as a brewer? Yeah, I mean it's um, I love Untapped because it has definitely like given attention to breweries that you wouldn't have heard of otherwise. Sure. Uh, I loathe Untapped because everybody on there is an expert. Um, <laughs> I don't know how many reviews I've read of beers. Like, even like our farmhouse stuff, where people are like, "This is infected," and it's like, "No, it has like it's it's it's, that's it's supposed to taste like that." <laughs> like one star, like uh, this, like our table beer. People being like, "Oh, there's the 
This is infected. We're gonna give it one star because it tastes like a barnyard. It's like that's literally why we brewed it. That's the we, style. We, we wanted you to taste that. And it's it's kind of that thing that like everybody gets to have an opinion, but there's no way to respond to it. So right. yeah, it's super democratizing that everybody's allowed to have an opinion. But then there's also like those hype beers that I feel like people, you know, they paid whatever to get into a razzle for it. Or, or they went to Dark Lord Day or. They're doing whatever they have to do to get this beer, and then, then by God, they're going to give it a good rating. Right. Because they don't want to admit to themselves that they just spent money on something that tastes just like that shelf turd from their local brewery. Shelf turd is, a, is an official term. <laughs> it's a technical That's term. Technical term. Um, but yeah, it's just... And like, uh, my buddy Jeremy Danner, who works for Boulevard, sure. said like years ago, he's like, eventually everything on Untap will be a 3.5. And if you look, like, there's so many beers that are, like, unless it's, like, a white whale. Right. Some crazy side project beer that are just, like, 3.5. Right. The macros average, like, 2.5. Yeah. Because everything averages out. Like, half the people love them, half the people hate them. Uh, I try not to rate. I I just leave comments. Right. Or or just say I drank it. Because I I, I feel like. You're not participating in the democratic process, Aaron? No, because I I feel like I am, uh, I have a palate. And I like beer, and I like beer a lot, but I don't feel like I am as – I don't think I taste enough beer, drink enough beer, know enough about beer to rate beer, so I don't. Right. And there's so many ratings on there um, of, like, I don't like IPAs, so this is a two-star. Like, That's Why false. did you order an IPA, one, if you don't like them, two – the fact that you don't like them doesn't make it a two-star beer. It just means, like, it'd be one thing if – if this app was just for yourself. Right. Like, I've often thought, like, we were talking about wine during the break. Yeah. Uh, and, like, I've been trying to find an app for wine that's similar to Untap, where I can, like, mark when I've tried something, because wine's the same way as beer, where there's just thousands and thousands of bottles of wine, and I can't keep track of everything I've tried. Mm, right. And a lot of it's, like, I just go into Kroger, and I'm like, that's a cool label. Let's try that one this time. Same way I feel like people buy beer a lot of the time nowadays. Have we dated before? You sound like a lot of girls that I've dated. Sorry. But, yeah, I feel like if there was an – if untapped, there was a way to just, like, store that score for yourself where you're like, I want to know – How I liked it. How I liked it. That would be different. But, like, you're actually – like, there are bars that will look at the untapped score of something before they purchase a keg. Wow. And be like, this only has – Three stars on Untapped. I can't sell it. Their Untapped ratings are available on the menus, like right. on the board. And so, like it, it is impacting commerce now. Right. So, like that random person that doesn't like IPAs, like yeah, their review should get averaged out. But you'd be amazed how many people don't rate like our IPAs. farmhouse beers and are like, I don't like farmhouse beers. Stop I mean, drinking farmhouse yeah, beers. Do you, I mean, do you do you feel like the Untapped kind of the, the Untapped kind of crowdsource effect has a bigger effect on someone who's playing around with Brett, who's playing around with wild sacrimonies? I mean, impact on like our ratings maybe, but like impact on us as people, like most of us don't really care. Right. I mean, it's one of those things that like I read them and it drives everybody else in the company crazy. Uh, we have like an intercompany Slack. And there'll be a Saturday morning where I'm like hungover, lying in bed, yeah. and I'm just looking at untapped, not just, just to Saturday like morning. encourage the self-loathing, and right. like just I hate myself for doing this, so I'm gonna go look at untapped, so I just hate myself even more, and I'll like screenshot like terrible reviews and then share them on our Slack and like look at what this guy said. He said we suck, and just like and they're like stop reading this, like you're just like pissing yourself off. So are are the reviews that hit closer to home like 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 you've read a review that's like oh I hate fucking farmhouse beers uh, uh I mean that I mean that, that seems somewhat easy to shrug right. off. If somebody calls me out and they're like 
I'm picking up diastole on this. Right. I might actually be like, oh, okay. And like one review, fine. Like that's why I honestly look at them because if I see one review for something and it's way off the mark, I'm like, okay, this person just has a shit palette and doesn't know what they're talking about. If there's like five people that are like, I got a can and it was undercarved. I'm like, oh, uh, we might have. Okay, let's it. look into this and let's go back and pull our samples that we keep in house and let's check and make sure like there wasn't a carb issue or like this is overcarbed. Like, okay, let's go see if there was some let's kind of fermentation yeah. or if on like a hazy IPA, if I start seeing reports of some like flavors that shouldn't be there in a right. hazy IPA, then I'll go back and look and say like, okay, like this one maybe something happened and like and we haven't really that had out. that yet, but. Um, like we had some carbonation issues with uh, Gutenacht, okay. our old stuff we did, um, and a lot of that we found not only through accounts being like, "Hey, we tap this keg and it's like freaking out," but it was just refermentation. We thought it was oh, done, okay. packaged it, sent it out into the world, and then somebody the warmed it up, and then it went. It went yeah, ahead. the can started exploding, yeah. and it was. I mean, that's the world we live in with wild yeast. It's a, a constant fear of like this thing could start fermenting again. Most right. of our stuff. We don't do high gravity stuff very often on the the front right. house side because we want to make sure it's down below one Play-Doh before we package it. Mm. Um, but Gutenacht finished about three, ended up going down to about two. So one point of fermentation is a significant amount of carbonation. That's By the way, that beer. our podcast is our podcast is called Play-Doh's Gravity, so we really love it when brewers call things in degrees Play-Doh and not it's, standard gravity. I'm not British. I don't use standard gravity. Yeah, fair. That's what I always fair. argue with people. They're like, it's like 1040. I'm like, I don't. I'm not. I don't know what 1040 what is, means. but I do know what six Play-Doh is. Right. Six Play-Doh is not done. Yeah. So the. But yeah, so like untapped, I can use it as like a QC check from what's going on out in the market, and like nobody uses Graphic anymore. Nobody really uses rate beer anymore. Like I think they're kind of like a dead platform. Right. At least for us, like we just don't get reviews on those sites very often anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I used to read those and like used it as like a QC check to see like how's that beer performing on the market. What are how are people reacting to it? And like, it very much you have to like learn to filter out the signal to noise. Right. Well, I think a good example of that recently. So we had some homebrewers on from uh, from the East Coast, and they sent us some of their beers. Uh, and one of their beers was a stout, and I tasted it. And so. I had a I made a I made a beer about a year ago and it had acetyl aldehyde in it uh, because I was not careful and I fermented it a little too warm whatever the yeast got stressed and boom green apple yep. so now ever since then I'm like paranoid about green apple and beer super paranoid sometimes I taste it when it's not there and that's like a me thing and not a beer thing so I share that with these guys send me this beer and I'm like oh when I first tasted it, I thought green apple but I don't think it's green apple and then like they sent me like a thousand messages hey exit twelve brewery how are you guys doing and they're like are you sure it's not green apple we don't want to have flaws in our beer blah, blah, right. and I'm like look. And like they sent me the numbers, their beer finished at one oh nine, which I don't know what that is in Plato. I think it's super low. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, "There's, there's no way your beer finished that low and it has acetyl aldehyde in it." That's just me being an idiot and being super paranoid. Could still be there. Uh, I, I don't think it was. I, honestly, but so it was an, an it was an anise beer. It was a, a an anise stout. Oh, an anise, uh, uh, anise and I think cookie beer. What happened is my brain took the anise cookie and the coffee flavors and it made green apple out of them. And it was actually a really good beer, and they don't have. It was to worry a good about. beer. I, I don't necessarily mind, especially in small doses. I think acetaldehyde. It's like, appropriate it for certain styles. It's appropriate for certain styles, and I think same if as it's diacetyl. Like you, like if you're drinking a Czech Pilsner, there could be diacetyl there. Right. Yeah. But I was thinking, like sometimes, like I'll that. taste a thing, and I'll be like, I'm not gonna put that I tasted this because I'm not super confident in it, even though it feels like. Was I supposed to spend? What? <coughs> Anyway, so let's uh, let's uh, transition to some untapped criticism, to some untapped fun. We're gonna play. They said what? Is there like uh, theme music? 
There's no. Uh, we I feel like there should be theme music. There, there will be. We don't have a soundboard. Can you guys up your production level? We, we, uh, at home, we, this is still we a free podcast. Fact. So hold on, everyone. Pause. Hold on. Jason did put extra bonus One, music two, in the last three. episode. Yeah, no, I edited badly. It's fine. I want like sludgy doom metal. Like they sludgy said doom what? metal. Oh. They said what? I have I have friends. I let me let me let me talk to some people. Everyone. I want, pause. I want everything to be sludgy doom metal. I'm gonna. Well, I can't do everything because like I have to give. Uh, we'll see. Hold on. For this you episode. You know some stoners that like playing <laughs> metal. <laughs> I do, in fact. Jason know. is a stoner that plays metal. Oh, I'm just kidding. That's not I true at all. I am actually not. I'm neither. I am a an alcoholic. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm a person who drinks beer and plays punk rock. Fuck you. You do play punk rock. By the way, uh, on one of Fuck your Fuck you. Uh, one of your so no, we use I'm we use Jason's old band's music for the music for the podcast. It's true. Uh, and the genre because it's royalty free. <laughs> it is royalty free, and the uh, the, yeah. the genre was porn ska. Porn? porn ska. What's that was porn listed ska? as the genre on the file you that's in the drive. Like that's I uploaded in Audacity <laughs> and asked me the. <laughs> I think that was my guitar player playing a joke on me that I need to call him about because he sent me the files. He exported them, and I'm sure he embedded that in there, thinking like, "Cordial will find this at some point, and he will laugh a lot." That's amazing. All right, way so back in the day, I was in a band that, like, in the MySpace days. Oh, we, MySpace. Uh, we labeled ourselves as surf metal. Surf metal. And at one point in time, we it was like not. It was like electronic grindcore. It was terrible. Uh, <laughs> but we made it onto the surf rock charts on MySpace because like nobody else was putting surf rock up. It's <laughs> so like we were like the number one surf <laughs> rock song. <laughs> That's bad. And it was like weird grindcore music we made on our computers. That's awesome. That so if you uh, is this grindcore music still available? So sorry, <sighs> listeners, like check for I'm it. I'm not gonna plug it. I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you look up Hooya Burn on MySpace, that's my band from high school. Hooya Burn. I'm so sorry. It's bad. It's great. I love it. Fuck you if you don't like it. But also I love you too. But you don't have to like it. It's whatever. Getting a little deep here. Pause. So let's go. For, we're hold actually on. Gonna we're go, gonna pause right now. What are we doing? You're, for doom metal. You, you're editing the show now. Perfect. <laughs> uh, so uh, we're going to switch. Uh, thank you for the Doom Metal intro, Jason. That was uh, beautiful music. Uh, I feel edified, even though I did feel not it. listen to it. Uh, we're going to go to play Who Said... <laughs> they Said What? So <laughs> the first review for the beer that we've chosen... By the way, this is a Midwest beer. Midwest. Midwest. Beer is, it is not an How Indiana... How find the Midwest? It, it is not an Indiana beer, uh, but it is not far Let's from here. Let's get into a big, like... Um, existential question about how do you define the Midwest? I was not prepared. Uh, talking like Great Lakes region? Are we talking like Great Plains Midwest? I would say the Great Lakes region is not inaccurate. Okay. All right. See, he tricked sounds me into like giving away more information. Well, sounds like to me. That's what happened. Uh, great Lakes are, uh, you know, there's lots of Great Lakes, Jason. That's true. They're okay. all great. Okay. So Anthony F. is drinking this beer at L. And I basically give you every information I can without identifying the brewery. Okay. Okay. Anthony F. is drinking this beer at Elephant and Castle. Uh he gave it a three stars. He drank it on draft. Okay. And he says uh, false advertising, semicolon. He uses semicolon uh, in his review because he's, he's educated. He's educated, yes. Uh, definitely not a pale ale hard stop. He used a period. Um, by the way, there's no verb in this sentence. So he's a jackass who used a semicolon and a period for no reason. False advertising, definitely not a pale ale. So you're an English teacher. <laughs> I am not an English teacher, but if you're going to use a semicolon and a hard stop and not use a verb, I'm going to call you out on it. There's an understood. Uh, there's the form. Uh, there is a form of the verb to be that is understood, and now I'm a goddamned English. Teacher. Okay, false advertising, uh, definitely not a pale ale. So 
Uh, he had it at Elephant and Castle. That is Anthony F. Uh, do you have any thoughts about Anthony F.'s comments while I scroll to the next available Hi, comment? Uh, he's very angry. He's, I don't know why he's angry. They just I wanted a pale ale. Just three. It, he ordered a pale ale. He gave it three stars. And you know, I, I feel like if you think it's false advertising, three might be a little high. So maybe pale, he still had a good experience. Pale is just as abused as like IPA, right? Anymore. I mean, it's been trademarked There's by like Sierra Nevada. There's like people that are like so. double pale ales, and it's like that's just that's an just an IPA, IPA. right? But which is Extra funny. Pale ale, which is funny because a double pale ale should be called an IPA, and then everything else they call an IPA should not be called or an there's IPA. There's like breweries that. Imperial Pale Ale, like that. That's ridiculous. it. Literally says IPA. You just yeah, didn't want to call it an Indian Pale Ale. Uh, an Imperial Pale Ale from China. It's an IPAC. That's I made it. I'm sorry, guys. That's bad. <laughs> all right. So uh, Emily Z at Hub Fifty One also hey, had this beer. Hub Fifty One. Yeah, Hub Fifty One. Emily okay. Z. She uh, she liked it a little better. Uh, she gave it a four and a half. She had it on draft. She earned the Cheers to Independent U.S. Craft Breweries Level Seven badge, and she earned so the level. Not, of, it's not Wicked Weed. She or yeah, it, it is not. It is not either of those things. <laughs> um, that's bad. I used to like that. Okay, I almost sorry. wore a Wicked Weed shirt to the show. Uh, I did not. It was in the laundry. Earn. The, she also earned the Land of the Free level thirty-two. So badge. it's an American beer. It's an American beer. Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, this is uh, and she says this is exceeding my expectations. Oh. So she agree. She disagrees with our previous person. She uh, thinks that it is exceeding her expectations as a pale ale, or she didn't know it was a pale ale. That is that is interesting. Uh, Emily Emily Z, if you ever want to come on the show and you're listening, you're just uh, reading the top three. I'm like reading the, the last three. The I'm, last I'm, three comments. The, la- the most recent three. Yeah. Actually, I skipped a couple. Yeah, be- now he keeps skipping them. He's uh, we skip comments that have the brewery's name. Yeah. In it, the if comments. there's identifying comments, we don't. So Will G, he had this beer. Um, What's up, Will? I, I can't tell you where Shout he Shout out to I, Will G. Shout Will out G. to Will G. Will G. He gave it a 3.75, OG, and he Will also G. earned the Land of the Free badge, but only level three. <laughs> um, and he says this beer reminds Good him. Good American bra. Oh, gosh. This this might be a better clue than, than you should hope for. This beer reminds him of Allagash White, cloudy and fruity. Ooh. So Will G, uh, Will G has wanted to give you some information. Cloudy and fruity. Will G. So I'm going to guess this is probably a Belgian pale ale. Just based on one guy being like, this isn't a pale ale. One guy being like, this tastes like Allagash. Yeah. I'm going to go towards Belgian pale from the Midwest. Man, who makes a Belgian pale? Who in the makes Midwest? a Belgian pale? Um, I think the Belgian pale might not be exactly the right, uh, right, the right it, inclusion. It, it, it reminds me of Allagash. Is Allagash white? He said Allagash White. I don't know. that. See, the thing is, though, they, they're not always smart, the people on tap. <laughs> Allagash White is like one of the most quintessential wit beers of all time. Um, yeah, that's so, uh, uh, maybe like a haze. Is it a haze PA? Uh, of course, Jason doesn't know. So Jason's blind too. Actually, here I forgot to tell Jason it is not a haze PA. I'm trying. I like people to win, and this is a shittily difficult game. <laughs> so uh, there's so, only like ten thousand beers in the right. Great Lakes region. Let's, I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat. So I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat. Uh, okay. It's it, it's a saison. Oh, oh. Which so, is why he didn't think it was a pale ale. It's called. This is that's true. This is like the so. I don't know if people realize this, but untapped. Unless I pay money, I can't edit right. what the first person registers the beer as. Right. So oh, we've got that. beers that are like beer to guard, and I'm like, that's a farmhouse ale, like sour aged right. in wine barrels. That is in no way a beer to guard. And then somebody raises it, and they're like, this doesn't taste anything like a fucking beer to guard. And I'm like, I didn't call I it didn't that. Call it the that label says sour farmhouse ale. Some jackass registered it on Untapped uh, as a beer as to guard. As a beer to guard. So yeah, Untapped uh, consciously. We make, used to be able to. 
So we used to be able to go in and you could fix that stuff as a brewery. And they're like, oh, how do we make money on this platform? Let's force breweries to pay us money to fix these entries. Oh, this is uh, this is uh, an interesting uh, this is interesting knowledge. I for did us always now wonder how long they said what. Money. Yeah, so like you have to pay to have like a paid brewery account. Uh, I can submit the edits as like a user and be like, that's not right, but they don't listen. Um, yeah. So if you're out there and you're an untapped moderator, start paying attention when I report things about Central State because I know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. So you have any you have any guesses? Uh, Saison from the Great Lakes region that tastes like Allagash White that's independently made. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 Aaron has a tendency. Did you pick the beer before the show or during the show? I uh, picked. Ho- hold on. I have to use the bathroom because I'm thinking stupid beer. That's okay. Right, that's While fine. he was peeing. But he picked he, the beer. I don't understand why you he didn't. Chat about it. What's his code? Let's unlock his phone. I don't. Damn it. I don't know why he didn't just answer. Listeners at home, Aaron has run away. He's actually, and he's not wearing any pants again because Aaron doesn't wear pants on the show. He's been naked this entire time. We've just had to like sit here and watch him dangle his manhood. That's not true. We don't allow people to not wear pants in the tap room. This is the the second time we've had a nice pair of slacks on the show. Did I get that name right? Yes. It's a v- it's a long name, and I'm always worried. I tend to abbreviate things in my mind. Paris Live. Um, that's so fucking good. Thank you. Like That was our stab at, at Brute. So we wanted to release a Brute for the holidays. As okay. like a, Look, it's like champagne. You can drink it on New Year's. Uh, and also, I called it a nice pair of slacks, because uh, when you dress up for fancy occasions, you got to put on your nice pair of slacks. Uh, and Oh, I should start doing it that. It was great. Like We gave my uh, girlfriend's dad a four pack over for Christmas. He's like, I got you a pair of slacks. And then he opened it and he's like, that's beer. And I was like, read the label. <laughs> <laughs> but it was awesome. Cause like when you look at the bartender, and you're like, let me get a nice pair of slacks. Like I keep joking. I'm going to name a beer. I want to talk to your manager. <laughs> or like call a beer. Like what do you wor- want? I want to talk to your manager or a, like a word with your manager. So you're like, what can I get you? A word with your manager. Uh, that you haven't done it yet just speaks to how much you care about the people buying the beer. Right. Somebody recently yelled at me and they're like, you shouldn't fuck with your consumer. On the other hand, with like, the beer names. And I'm like, but I absolutely should. Like, I feel like there is a, a dialogue that can happen between you and the consumer right. in doing this where people that are, if you build a fan base right. and then you have this conversation through the beer names with the fan base, I think that's lovely. And I think, I think people will notice that the Black Label IPA series, the Hazy and the, the Modern IPAs we're doing uh, are all very tongue-in-cheek in the naming. Uh, yeah. Nice pair of slacks, swipe right, worst millennial ever. Uh, <laughs> That's my favorite The name. first one we ever released was Future Shock because we were joking that like nobody's going to expect us to release a Hazy IPA. Let's call it Future Shock because welcome to the future. And then we did New Money right after that for all the New Money kids out there. Um, so, yeah, we just have fun with it. So Pillow, pillow Feet named after my favorite. So I want to finish up the game because I have some some more like beer business well, yeah. questions uh, based on this. Okay, Saison from the Great Lakes region. He does tend to. So hold on, did you choose the beer before the show or during I, the show? I chose the beer during the show. So he tends to choose a beer that we have already discussed. I'm gonna say, given the clues we have, in my mind, it's probably a Jolly Pumpkin, maybe a Bam beer or. You're on the wrong track. Oh, okay. You're on the wrong track. 
But you are, but you're using the right media. The right media. Wait, podcasting? Yes. Was no. it a beer that we podcasted? It's a, no, no. So, so it's not Jolly Pumpkin, but it is a beer that was alluded. To, it's it's a brewery that has been alluded to on the show. <coughs> In this episode. Correct. What else have we talked From about? The Great Lakes. Round yeah. Town. It's not a Round Town beer. <laughs> Is it a Sun King beer? It's not a Sun King beer. That's good. Uh, it's got to be. Uh, three Floyds? Yeah. Nope. 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 Uh, hold color. on. Resputin is it's not a, a off-color beer. Can you imagine? Like, the review. <laughs> this is false advertising. <laughs> this, this is not a pale ale. Old Resputin. This Old Resputin tastes just like Allagash White. <laughs> that sounds like a really accurate untapped review, actually. Uh, oh, we, we did talk about... Uh, well, but it's not an Indiana beer. Is it, it off-color? Uh, it is an off-color beer. Oh. Oh. Uh, reminds you of Allagash White. And it's a Saison. It is. Well, I mean, that's what Untapped calls it. I don't know if Off Color pays to have their first review edited. Somebody called it a Pale Ale, which means maybe they call it a Pale Ale. Is it Apex? It is Apex Predator. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. We got there. We got there. It's their not IPA. Like, the, people want a hoppy beer, so here it on. is. Wait, so I can see somebody being like, fuck you, this isn't a pale ale. And they're like, no, this is the closest thing to an IPA you're ever going to get from us. From us, yeah. But if, if it's billed as a not IPA, then that guy can eat shit because that's 100% accurate. No, it's not an IPA. Four stars. <laughs> we keep joking with John from Off Color that we're going to get him down here to brew a collab. And we're going to have it all, like, grained in. He's just got to, like, be here for the mash. And then, like, halfway through it, he's going to realize that we're actually brewing a hazy IPA. <laughs> like, when I'm just like, throw these three bags of hops in, and he's going to be like, what the fuck are we making? And I'm in like, the, just don't in, worry about in it. In the mash. Yeah. And we're just going to, like, suddenly he just threw a bunch of flaked oats in there. I'm like, no, it's a farmhouse beer, dude. We're going to put it in barrels. And fun. then it's totally just a hazy <laughs> IPA. Like, dump this lactose in there. Yeah, flaked oats in your farmhouses, that's standard, right? I do that all the time. Yeah. I love flaked oats. I put them in all kinds of – we use oats. We use – Rye, oats, wheat. Like, we don't brew very much that's just straight barley ever. Okay, nice. Yeah, we use a lot of adjuncts. So, this is, so let's, this is interesting. So, a lot, a lot of breweries have, like, a, a base mall, but that's probably not what you guys are doing at all. Like, you guys are probably, like, do you have, a, a, like, a two-row or a, a so pale our, malt that you're using regularly? Our primary or? base malt, um, our primary malts in general are Sugar Creek. Okay. Out of, uh, out of Indiana, right? Yeah, out yeah. of Indiana. So, we made the decision... About two years ago when we launched 26th Street that we were going to try and transition over to Sugar Creek. Uh, Caleb and I have been talking since they first started up. I think we bought like some of their like second or third bash. Uh, it's going to get really loud in here. That's all right. a couple seconds. This is, this is part. Jason, Jason by the way, hates this shit. He hates the background noise, but I think it's part of the ambiance. Yeah. And it's, we're recording so at a brewery. for everyone listening, that is the condenser on the walk-in cooler firing up. So, nice. Uh, so, yeah, we started using Caleb's malts. And our main primary base malt, uh, Caleb really wishes I would just put a silo in so he doesn't have to deliver so much of it in bags, but it is uh, two-row uh, Pilsner malt. Okay. So just a straight-up Indiana Pilsner malt. Sweet. We use that as the base for most of the farmhouse stuff, table garden or all that. Uh, we use it in a lot of the hazy stuff. Uh, we use a lot of their yield malt, which is kind of a like pre-prohibition okay. uh, malt that they do that's got like a – I don't know, to me – he always yells at me, or I feel like he doesn't like when I describe it this way, but it's like a Vienna, like a darker Vienna. Okay. Um, so it's not quite a Munich, but it's not quite like a Vienna 10. Mm. Um, but it just has a little more malt character to it. Uh, we use a lot of that. We'll blend those two together on a lot of the hazy IPAs, so it'll be like 50-50 or 40-60 sure. of those two, just to give it a little bit of color. Um, so those are like our two main base malts we use all the time. 
Um, and then we use, a, like if we're using malted rye, malted wheat, malted oats, those are coming from Sugar Creek. Okay. When we do flaked, we'll get those from other places. But we've actually, like, pushed ourselves to see how much Sugar Creek we can use. Okay. So, That's like, awesome. table so, and garden are 100% Sugar Creek now. Um, do you have any Indiana hops that you guys work with? We've worked with um, the guys at Indy Highbinds a bit, um, and I've talked to some of the other ones. Um, it's just been a supply issue for us. Right, so, yeah. for sure. Uh, being able to like, I right now I don't. It's a I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but it's a, a quality versus supply. Sure. So the scale that we're brewing at anything that if I wanted to get you know Indiana Cascade, and I don't know if I could get the quantities I need to do what I need to do for a year at a price point that makes sense for me right. to be able to hit my shelf price point. So Caleb has been able to work with us, and as we've scaled it up, we've been able to get to the point where now we're using Sugar Creek malt. And it's affordable for us, and it's pretty close to what we would pay. Sure. Bag malt, we could. I mean, if we switched to silo malt and bought one of the big macro maltsters, we could get it cheaper. But I like the quality of it, and especially sure. for our farmhouse side, it's awesome to be able to tell people the story of this malt comes from Indiana. But Caleb could also get you siloed malt, but it might not be as big of a price break. Right. Well, I mean, we'd still get a price break on it. But it's not going to be as big as what we could get if we switch to like RAR or Breeze right. or one of those guys. I right. Mean, they're, it's the Budweisers of malt. Right. They're just mass producing it. But it's nice that like I can literally drive up in the springtime. Like I can drive up right now. I could drive up to Caleb's farm uh, and I could drive. I know where some of the fields are around there because he's shown me. Uh, and like there's winter barley growing right now that you could go look at it. And there's right. sprouting barley out in that field hanging out. John Barleycorn's wintering it out and he'll be up in the spring and be ready to harvest and that's just a really cool feeling yeah uh, it's always awesome he does a big party in the summertime uh right around harvest and you can go stand like I, it's kind of a, always like an like a super spiritual moment for me where like i can go sit in the middle of a field of barley and watch it blow in the breeze and just like know like this is going to go in my beard Right. And that's a connection that I don't feel like most people get with their ingredients. Right. Um, or with lot, their, I mean, their careers or anything. I mean, right. I thought you were really lucky that um, And the hops, a lot of what we use is coming from Hophead Farms up in Michigan. Uh, so they're either growing it in Michigan or they're hand-selecting it um, from Europe. We get a lot of our, like, all the crazy hops from uh, Yakima Chief. Sure. CH hops. So we're getting all the cryo hops. Cryo and hops kind of stuff like that's going hazy shit. Um, but... For like all of our European stuff, which is like table, um, which is a huge part of what we contract for the year, is our European varieties. So our saws and our super saws and our middle fruits and our saphirs. Those are all coming from Europe, and I trust Hophead. Um, those guys spend a lot of time selecting hops. Sure. Um, and they don't just bulk buy like we need 30 bales of hops. They're going to go and select every single bale and make sure that it's good. Right. Um, and then we get quality hops from them. It's the same people that help Firestone Walker and Three Floyds pick their hops. Right. Uh, Revolution. They work with a lot of big guys now. Mm. Then I know that if it's good enough for Three Floyds, it's good enough for me. So, I, I, I have a question. I'm just, just curious, and I pro- perhaps should know this already, but I but I don't. So, you talked about how you want your net to be wide but not deep, and then you compare yourself to like a local brewery, Sun King, who's very deep, but just not wide. Yeah. Um, they're basically every bar around here, and but you can't find them outside of Indiana. Uh, in terms of production, where are you guys at relative to them? So we did about 3,000 barrels last year. Okay. Uh, this year we're hoping to do about 4,500. Okay. Uh, so our first year we did about 500 barrels, then we did about 1,000 barrels, then we did about 1,000 barrels, then we jumped all the way up to 3,000 barrels. Sure. 
Uh, so this year we're trying to not jump quite as far because that was a little intense. Uh, tripling your production in a year is mm, that is a lot enough to make you want to tear your hair out. Um, and you just you have so many distributors, so many different states. It yep. should be easy. And right? we only have about five full time employees still, so it's a small operation. Um, wow, that's crazy. So, and it's part of that's like we like to control it ourselves. We like to have it hands on, and so we're growing it slowly. There's plans for growth beyond that, but I mean, if we make it to five thousand barrels, I'm happy. Sure. Um, and I think that's like a comfortable place, like. The industry has changed a lot in the last few years that you, you're you not going to see people with that meteoric rise that Sun King had that, um, like, against the grain down in Kentucky. Right. Yeah. Um, guys like Carton Broom, we were talking about them doing the break. Yeah. They just exploded onto the scene. And part of that's that when those kind of guys opened, like, there just wasn't anybody else around. Right. So you could just explode and fill that void. But now there's 200 breweries in Indiana. Right. There's... How many thousand breweries in the country now? So you just you're not going to see that growth, and I don't, I don't want to be in that place. I mean, you just it changes the business so much. Like what Sun King is doing, I respect the hell out of them. They make great beer, but like their whole business model is just night and day different from what we want to do. Right. Uh, well, I, th- I think what it's you just guys two different ways to attack the market. What what you guys do is you you play around with flavors and you play around with with yeast and you play around with wild stuff. And I think from a homebrew perspective, like. It's very humbling to kind of think about that because it, it I, I'm basically afraid to do what you do, and you do it not with five gallons, but with twenty gallons or we thirty gallon or thirty we don't barrels. Pilot anything. Thirty barrels, like you guys have this big fucking production that you're. It, it's it's very it's very humbling to see that. So uh, it's cool to kind of be here where you brew. Right. That's awesome. So um, yeah, I mean, like our whole thing is that a lot of it's just been fly by the seat of our pants uh, on the brewing side. I mean, I. I I'm not just making shit up. Like I've spent right. a lot of time studying brewing science and there's, mm. there's sound logic behind the shit that I do. But a lot of it's like, I've never used this ingredient before. Let's make an es- uh, educated guess on how much we should put in there. Or like, I'm going to call off color and see if they've used it. And if they have like, what kind of dosing rate did you guys use on this? Or I'm going to call St. Somewhere. I'm going to call somebody else that's done something similar and see like what somebody else has done just to get a ballpark. So, uh, what's the, so y- you guys mess around with a lot of different shit, which is really fucking cool. So, what's the coolest beer you've ever made where you're like, oh, fuck, I nailed it? I mean, that's it depends on the week and where my head's at. Uh, La Luzerne was one that we released recently. Okay. It's a collaboration with Salud. Uh, and the original idea was, like, let's make, like, a farmhouse Oktoberfest, <sighs> which is actually the second time we've had that idea. Yeah. Uh, we were to collab with Prairie uh, a couple years ago. Uh called party socks sure um that was the same idea of like let's take like a munich base and then ferment it with farmhouse yeast sure um on that one we did the party socks was like let's do munich base let's ferment it with prairie's house yeast and our house yeast which is like french saison and our farmhouse mix and let's let that get nice and funky and let's throw raspberry tea in there because i was flipping through like a spice catalog and found sure raspberry leaf tea which is literally like dried raspberry leaf uh, and I was like this just sounds cool like let's put it in a beer uh, and that's a lot of where my ridiculous ideas were like this sounds cool let's try it um, and then the one we do is Salud we were we threw some Riverbend rye which is the North Carolina malt house sure into a base of uh, ye old malt from Sugar Creek and then we took that and fermented it with our house yeast. And we were like, what's the most farmhouse thing we could possibly do? So we threw alfalfa hay in it. 
and it was one of the worst ideas I've ever had. My, uh, my <laughs> other, my my right hand man Sam had to climb in the mash tun and like spread bricks of alfalfa around in there, and then also <laughs> climb in because you can't run the rakes because it'll just like gum up gum the rakes. Up. So we had yeah. to like literally climb in and like shovel all the alfalfa out, uh, and it was like 150 pounds of alfalfa. It was not Ooh. a small amount of alfalfa. Um, and then we threw rosemary and lemon in it, and it was just kind of this like cluster of like let's throw all these things in there Mm. and it ended up amazing like it's one of my favorite beers we've done it's just like beautiful like lemon bright acidity the earthiness from all the rosemary um and then just like a level of grass and farmyard from the alfalfa Alfalfa, but it just it it was kind of one of those like this is a ridiculous idea and everybody else when i come up with these things like in the company they've kind of learned to trust me that like this is probably going to work. Like there've been a few ideas that have been like terrible failures, right? but most of them have worked out pretty well. So you talk about not having a pilot system. Like what's the, what, what's the smallest. So you guys have brewed in a lot of different places. Smallest what? we can do here at round town is we can, we could probably pull off a 15 barrel batch. Uh, smallest we've done here though is a 20 barrel batch. 20, which is the smallest fermenter here, right? Yeah. Uh, and then you guys, are these guys back here? You guys are like for a minute, they have like some tanks back here. That's, that's a bunch out. of equipment we bought that is not being used right now. All right, yeah. Uh, so it's equipment from a brewery that went out of town here in town, or went out of business here in town that we bought their equipment. Sweet. Um, got, and it, so got it at a good price. Future future beer in yeah. there. Uh, one of those things that's like, okay, we can't really pass this deal up. We'll just buy it right yeah. now. Yeah. Sweet. All it's, right. a, it's also interesting, like, if you follow the history of, like, most brew equipment most people don't buy it new. Right. Like you end up getting it from someone who got there out of business. There was a period of like five or six years that there was no used equipment and everybody was buying new, but mm. now we're back that like as the market has kind of leveled out a little bit. Right. And, and there's places used that are, available yeah, again. are buying crap beer, yeah. Or, there's people who are like opening up breweries and then closing quick, I think, yeah. more now than before. Yeah. So, Jason, uh, Yo, we're, we're coming close to the end here. We need and an oddball question. We need an oh. off-the-wall question. The uh, off the wall question. I feel like we also need some doom metal for this. Shit! Hold before you do the off the wall question. Let's take a break. Yeah, hold, yeah. Hold for doom metal. Oh, are we taking a break? Yeah. You okay. can edit the new metal in right now. Yeah. Uh, so
temperature on and safely hold it at like 100 degrees. Right. But now that we're doing direct fire, we would definitely not want to leave that burner on overnight. Right, right, right. So it, it'll hold temperature. Like if we get it to 100 degrees and let it sit, it'll still be 98 degrees, 95 degrees at right. the least. <coughs> They're insulated enough and it's so much volume. I mean, that's one of the things that I've learned from professionally brewing that changing the temperature of a thousand gallons of anything takes, takes a fucking, fucking long time without Ooh, some kind time. of input or output. Right. I'm sure even with input and output, sometimes you're like, fuck, it takes forever. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, the worst thing is when we go to heat the kettle sour up and it takes us on this kettle six hours to okay. go from 100 degrees up to a boil. Wow. So, I mean, it's usually I'll get in at, like, five in the morning the day we're boiling it turn the kettle on and then just go back to sleep on the couch all right yeah <laughs> and sweet wait. uh yeah I mean, that's that's and that's the the, the kind of fun shit that, that people just don't know about so um fun fun <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, waiting six hours for a kettle to boil i mean sleeping on a couch at a brewery yeah <laughs> it's the that, best yeah. way better than sleeping at home yeah it's not actually <laughs> With my girlfriend good. and dogs it's not nearly as good yeah <laughs> the glamorous life of a brewer we clean a lot of shit and we sleep in weird places that's why i asked the last i asked the 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 brewer at mashcraft i was like so can you talk about the unglam or can you talk about the the not glam side and he was like yeah that's everything, everything. about andrew is glamping <laughs> yeah he's the, most, <laughs> he's the dreamiest brewer he's the dreamiest brewer yeah i get lost in his eyes he was pretty fun he was pretty fun i'm not gonna lie uh this has been yeah, this has been amazing. He's not going to hear that, but uh, fine. I'm going to edit it out because uh, <laughs> it's not part of the, the show. But I will tell him the next time I see him. He, it's a part yeah. of our hearts. But I feel like uh, just before we go. This is why you needed that disclaimer. That's right. That's right. I didn't sign that waiver. That's fine. I There's been like four people who haven't signed it. Oh, really? I honestly, Ooh. I took myself way too. So you said that note, and I was just like, oh, fuck. Like, I took myself way too seriously when we started. Like, we're just a free podcast. Nobody pays for this shit. Like, I've been on Good Beer Hunting. They don't have a thing? <laughs> That's fucking owned by ABN, Bev. I'm really no, surprised not. by that. No? It's not. Oh, it's not? No. It isn't. They actually do all of our branding. Oh, yeah? They do all of our packaging and everything. So why do I think that? Uh, they've done work with Goose Island. Okay. And so every all the, the neckbeards out there just assume that that means that they're owned by ABN, Bev. Ah. Uh, uh, I'm not... I'm not calling you a neckbeard. It's fine. It's fine. Like, it's, it's always funny when they post stuff, and you're like, fuck you, you guys are owned by AB. And they're like... like Kaiser will admit it. He's like, Central State has paid me more money over the last five years than AB has ever paid me. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's badass. I did. I did not know that. And, and like, it's two very separate things between the the blog and podcast versus the studio. Okay. Are like two separate revenue streams, yeah. uh, and the studio actually funds a lot of the other stuff they do. Still, uh, still, still, like, so I just like to, you know, I just read a whole bunch of shit and I was like a podcast dork and I was like, they were like, oh, you should have a little release form. And I was like, oh, I'll make a release form. But I mean, it uh, probably makes sense. So I don't come back and be like, oh, I'm suing you because you made me defame this person. Yeah. Well, like, also, it makes a little I, less sense for us because if you defame somebody and then tell me after the show, like, hey, fucking take that out, I'll just fucking take it out. Right. I should like, also, I should I'm not trying to like, I badmouth New Jersey and I have nothing. Jason TV. also challenges random brewers to oh. arm wrestling contests on the show. Uh, like he really wants the Brewer Fountain Square to come on the show and arm wrestle him. Yeah, that's weird. It is. That weird. is weird. But <laughs> I don't even know how that happened. But I've challenged him multiple times now. And also, you challenged uh, like a who, who did you challenge? Like a professional athlete? You challenged. Oh, Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck. Andrew, how, a prof- a he's not professional coming on the athlete. Hey, I don't remember. No, so I just 
throwing out arm wrestling challenges. Andrew left and Luck right. hangs out on Mass Ave. Just keep an eye out for him. Just keep an eye out. So, uh, Jason, uh, it is the time in the show. It's a very special time in the show when you ask an off-the-wall question. Uh, oh, Wait, yeah. pause so you can edit in the music. Death metal. Hey, we were we not death metal. Jesus, Aaron, get your metal. Correct. I don't know the differences between the metals. Okay, well, have you seen like the the meme that's like the closed caption and it's like slow death metal? I heard that no. you're a meme specialist. I do love memes. Who told yeah. you that? Uh, you did. No. Uh, or whoever wrote your website. Yeah, I post. I I do. A, I spend a lot of a lot of time standing on that brew deck, yeah. waiting for things to move from point A to point B. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Scrolling through Instagram. So when and you when you don't sleep from five a.m. to seven a.m. waiting for it to get to a hundred and whatever degrees, yeah. you just you just, just reading meme. reading memes. Reading memes. Yeah, that's most of what I do at work too. So that's maybe I, true. Yeah. So you have you have a question? I do. I do have a, a a question. Why was the last time that I went to Target the most embarrassing uh, time I've ever gone to Target in my life? Fun fact. I worked at Target for eight years. Woo! And right. you, so, so you know I've, how I've embarrassing. I've seen some shit. Okay. <laughs> All right. So if you had to take your eight years of experience. Were as, you hard lines or soft lines? Uh, I was front end. Oh, oh, oh Then yeah. uh, I worked hard lines in electronics. Then I was a specialist in electronics and entertainment. That's the cush job right there. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to uh, zone. You have to zone the CDs, though. But you got to know how to flex that CD section. Flex the CD section. Uh, I work at Target, too. You can, you can find out. And yeah. then I'm learning so I much went from there to the food side and oh, worked grocery. Have food and then side transferred I to a there. super Target. And I was uh, a deli manager Okay. for a couple of years. So you cut the meat. That was terrible. All right. <laughs> uh, then I transferred back to the back room and worked logistics for the last four years. Okay, That probably helps you now with your current business. Yeah, I learned yeah. a lot about shipping stuff and I, driving forklifts. They didn't ship word at Target, did they? They didn't. They did, but you do. Uh, I learned what a BOL was. I don't know what that is. Bill of lading. Oh, yeah, I do know how that is, actually. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I do uh, know what a bill of lading is. So I learned how to move stuff around and make the best use of physical space to store bulk things, which comes in handy a lot. As a brewer. Yeah. Does it help you understand why Jason's last trip to Target was embarrassing? Uh, I mean, I like I said, I've seen some shit in eight years at Target. Saw a lot of weird stuff. So why was your last trip so embarrassing? I, you have to venture a guess oh. before I can uh, tell you. I'm guessing it involved one of the multitude of ex-girlfriends you've mentioned. Multitude. Multitude. <laughs> all, all, all two of them. <laughs> Uh, that no, is, that is a multiple. It, uh, it doesn't. Uh, no, it does not. But it does involve something that does actually it involve arm wrestling. It doesn't involve arm wrestling, but it does involve a multitude. It, it involves the multitude that you have talked about uh, when talking about the things you've seen. Shit. Yes, man. Dude, what happened to you? Anyone Jason? that's worked retail has literally seen shit. Yeah. It, so I like I can guarantee that someone working retail. So I go there. And I'm not feeling well, and my girlfriend's not feeling well. So I'm like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go to the bathroom. And she's like, cool. I'm gonna hang around that like dollar section thing up front. Come find me. I go to the bathroom. I'm like, I'm gonna take a poo, right? And so like we don't need to get graphic or anything. But I go into the stall. And it's got like a little tricky handle, and then like I finally get the door to stay shut. And I sit down, and I'm doing my thing, and I'm playing words with friends. Because that's why cell phones were invented, right? To distract you. So you can play word puzzles while defecating? Right. So, Aaron, I want you to know that every time that I've played, like, I'm 
I'm on the John when I'm playing Words with Friends with you. And I understand that Words with Friends is like a 2000s thing, and here we so, are. So if you if, if it says Jason hasn't played for three days and then poke Jason, I just know that you're constipated? Yes. So I'm, I'm sitting there at the Target uh, and... Learning new things. Learning so, new things. Josh, we're do, do, Doing my business, playing Words with Friends, and then I get done with my business and Words with Friends, and I look up and I realize the door has opened... And I'm staring at myself in the mirror, which is fine had I not also heard several people come in and out while I was doing my business. How and did I, you not notice the door? Because those swing in. No, like, that swings towards you. There was no sound. It didn't hit the wall. Did it you take just, the handicap stall that swings out? Did you take the handicap stall target? The There were only two stalls, and the handicap stall was the only one that didn't have remnants. You took the handicap stall. I'm sorry. Some other, some other disabled, shitting, needing person was just not only, not only did like, not only did I take the handicap stall, people saw me do it because the door was open and the mirror was pointing right in there, and that's why my last trip to Target was do you my think, most embarrassing trip to Target. Josh, do you think this turned into a meme? Did you have you seen this? I haven't seen this meme yet. Oh, that's good. I, I was like I said though, like. Anyone, you, you worked at Target. You I worked did. retail. I did. I've often said that, like, everyone, it should be compulsory that everyone in our society has to work a year in either retail mm. or service industry. Yeah, absolutely. Like, everybody should have to you go have to through that. You have to learn smile at crazy and, people. And learn the fucked up shit that you have to deal with because other people don't want to. Uh, a, a similar story involving shit, not to get too graphic, we had a guest... Because that's what they call them at Target. It has to be a guest. It's yeah, not it's a customer. very much a guest. Welcome. Uh, defecate not in the appropriate location. Oh. And There's then, so many inappropriate locations to and defecate And then proceed to somehow get that on their shoe. Okay. And I was tasked oh. with following the path oh. they went through the store. Oh. Because they left a trail with every oh. step they took. <laughs> yeah. Was it was it interesting? Like, were you like, oh, I see what they came here to actually do? Like, they were clearly shopping for this specific thing. Oh, they walked I, around betting a lot. I, that wasn't my main concern at that You're point. Like, it was just, why do I do this for this amount of money? Yeah, it, it's it's not it's not enough it's not enough money. So that's fantastic. Well, uh, Josh, we've had it. First of all, thank you. Are we ton. ending on the shit note? We, we have to. We're end ending on, on a shitty note. note. We're ending on a shitty note. A brown uh, note, if you will. I, I wish. Actually, uh, yeah, we are. Sorry, it's, we, we've gone over. We want to thank you a ton for having us out here at Roundtown Brewery, where Absolutely. you're brewing uh, My pleasure. A, a kettle sour and some amazing Central State slash Roundtown beer. This has been a ton of fun. The coffee nephilim. The nephilim is. If you haven't had the coffee nephilim, you need to find it. You it's haven't because it hasn't released yet. It's distributed in 15 states. But in the future, in, in the fair. future, you should actually def- you can't get this any other state thanks to the government shutdown. Oh. So. Sure, sure. All so right, we used come to, to have a government. Come to Indiana. We do. We have one it's as back. of last It's back. Night. It's back. But come to Indiana. For three weeks. Get some coffee to fill them. Um, if you want to reach out to Josh uh, and find more out about Central State, you can find them on Facebook slash CS Brewing, on Instagram at Central State Brewing. Uh, Instagram, by the way, Ruin Brewing. Uh, and Or you can find them on Twitter uh, at CS Brewing. If you want to reach out to Jason or I and say hi, ask a question for the show, or just say, hey, what's up? Uh, you can find us at Plato's Gravity on all the social deals or email us at podcast at platosgravity.com. We want to thank you a ton Send for listening. Send us a direct message at porntube.jizz. We want, we want that. Damn it, Jason. 
fucking every time a porn reference. We want this, you. Could, this is a lot different than being on Good Beer Hunting. Uh, is it? Is it? Uh, Good Beer Hunting. They don't have porn references on there. No. Uh, I'm way less hungover than when I recorded that. <laughs> no, that's that that that's you're, even better. You're welcome. That that's even better. So thank you all for listening to the show. We will see you next time uh, on Plato's Gravity. In the meantime, play around with some bread, brew some beer, and have some fun. Infect everything. Hashtag infect everything. Milk the funk. Oh,